Psalm 34, verse 4. We, we talked last time uh, about fear of man, and today we're going to kind of carry on uh, along this line. We're going to talk about freedom from fear. Don't let it in. Freedom from fear. Don't let it in. Let's uh, go to Psalm 34, verse 4, and let's read this out loud together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. He delivered me from my worst fears. He delivered me from most of my fears. (laughs) What does all mean? All means all. Is it possible to live a life not controlled and dominated by fear? According to the Bible, yes. According to the Bible, yes. Most people would think it's impossible. Nobody could live without fear in their life. Uh, According to the Bible, not only is it possible, Jesus has made it possible for us. Jesus has made it possible for us. So it's not possible for everybody to live without fear. People out there in the world, they they don't know what it's like to live without fear. It's not possible for them, but it's possible for us because Jesus has made it possible for us. The message translation says, God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. Anxiety is a manifestation of fear. Worry is a manifestation of fear. Dread is a manifestation of fear. So on the fear spectrum, you've got dread at one end, and that's very subtle. You can be operating in dread and maybe not even be aware of it. And on the other spectrum of fear, you've got full-blown panic and terror. And then you've got everything in between. So if you've been freed from all fears, then you wouldn't be afraid to go anywhere or do anything that the Lord told you to do, would you? Amen? Hallelujah. Now last time I kind of mentioned a little bit about the source of fear, but I want to go into a little bit more detail today uh, because... You know, once you, once you get insight into how these things, these spiritual forces operate and how the devil operates, you're already ahead of the game, you know? And that's how the devil uh, takes advantage of Christians is through ignorance and lack of knowledge. He, he preys on their ignorance and lack of knowledge and that's how he gets an advantage. But when you begin to understand these spiritual forces and where they came from and how he uses them against us, you're already going to be five steps ahead of him. So uh, in Genesis 3, uh, well, the first couple of chapters there, God created the heavens and the earth. And people think that God's not good, but he, and he created an entire planet just for us to enjoy. 
and this entire planet was created just for our enjoyment and pleasure. So God created Adam and Eve, and he, he put them here. He created this, he gave this entire planet to them, and every day they met up with God, they visited together, they hung out together, they, had, they sh sh enjoyed each other's company, they had a cup of tea or a cup of coffee together or whatever, and they just hung out and enjoyed each other's company. And up to this point, in the first two chapters, we don't see any evidence at all that there was any fear present. Adam and Eve did not fear God. They didn't fear each other. They didn't fear the animals. They didn't fear the plants or anything in creation. There's no evidence that they had fear of anything or anybody. And this, this is the way it was before the fall of man. And then in Genesis 3, verse 8, it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called, God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Now, Adam wasn't afraid the day before. He wasn't afraid the week before. He wasn't afraid the year before. So what happened from one day to the next? One day he had no fear. The next day he was in fear and he was hiding from God. What happened was he disobeyed God and sin came in. That's what happened. Not only sin, but death. It came in. Now, whole, uh, let's go to Romans 5, 12. With this in mind, Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. That's what we just saw in Genesis 3. By the trespass or sin of one man, sin came into the world and death by sin. So they were afraid because of death. And death was there because of sin. If there had never been any sin, there would have never been any death. If there had never been any death, there never would have been any fear. So it's like sin, death, fear, and they're all connected. Now, all we've ever known is living in a world filled with sin and death. And I, I don't think we're going to realize till we get out of here just how much darkness we're surrounded by. But uh, the Bible says when the earth is restored again to its original state, 
There will be no sorrow, no crying, no aging, no wrinkles, no dying. People won't be afraid of people. They won't be afraid of animals. Animals won't be afraid of people. There won't be any curse and no more physical death. Now, Revelation 21, you can write that down. Revelation 21 and Isaiah 11, 1 to 9 kind of says that in a summary. Isaiah 11, 1 to 9. So all of this curse, all of this sorrow and death and fear, this is all here because of sin. And in the new earth, we won't die anymore. The plants won't die, the trees won't die, the animals won't die. Now, if we're still here when the Lord comes back for the redeemed, we're not even going to die once. So it's possible, it's possible, us in this room, we will never physically die. It's possible. We will not ever physically die. The only people I know of in the Bible that never died physically was Enoch and Elijah. They never died physically, they just went. They were just translated from here out, but they never physically died. But we could be part of the generation that never physically dies. But if uh, the Bible says we're just going to be changed. When, when the Lord, when we meet the Lord in the air, if, if that happens, you know, in our lifetime, the Bible says we're just going to be changed. Our bodies will be changed from corruptible to incorruptible. They'll be changed from mortal to immortal, not even subject to dying, just like Jesus' body. When he lived on the earth, his body was just as subject to dying as ours, because he did die. But his new body is immortal, not even subject to dying. He, he went from one room to the other without even opening the door. He just went through the wall, you know. So that's the kind of body we're going to have. But even if we do go by the grave, uh, we'll just step out of our body and we'll be present with the Lord. And we'll just step out of our body and, and we'll think, oh, you mean that's all there was to it? <laughs> you mean that's it? You know, not a big deal. We're just going to change addresses. Amen? It's like goodbye here, hello there. Yeah, yeah, amen. Praise God. So if we're born again and our relatives are born again, we don't have to grieve like the world grieves. We will see them again. Uh, of course, we, we miss them temporarily here, but it's just a short time. And so we're, we will see them again, and they're going to look a whole lot younger and better than the last time we saw them. Amen? So uh, we have, we, you know, that's our hope, and we, we're not to grieve like the world grieves. Now let's uh, hold your place there in Romans, because I think we'll be back. But turn over to Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2, 14. And it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, 
he, Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same. In other words, he took on a flesh and a blood body just like we have. That through his death, he, Jesus, might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. So notice it, that word had, past tense. Jesus, Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death, the devil. So that means he doesn't have that power anymore. Amen? So did Jesus do it? Yes. Yep, he did it. Now this word destroy doesn't mean to remove or to eradicate. It doesn't say he removed the devil or he eradicated the devil. It means to paralyze and completely incapacitate. So he's still here, but he's been paralyzed. Jesus has paralyzed him. Now the Bible says death is an enemy of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 26, it says, The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So uh, Paul goes on uh, in here to, uh, in that chapter to tell us what our attitude as believers should be toward death. He said, Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? So, so we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear concerning death. Verse 15. Um, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The easy to read version says, Jesus became like these people and died so that he could free them. They were like slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. Now Jesus paralyzed the devil who had the power of death. In uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 8, it says, Had the princes of this world known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. The devil thought he, he had won a victory. He thought, I finally uh, got rid of Jesus when he died on the cross. He had a big celebration in hell, but it didn't last very long because actually what happened, the devil played right into God's hands. When he crucified Jesus, he played right into God's hands. So the celebration didn't last for very long. So Jesus coming to earth as a man and dying on the cross and paying the penalty for our sin, he went to hell in our place and he defeated the devil. And in Revelation 1.18, he said, I am he that liveth and was dead, was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. It doesn't say he had the keys of hell and death. He says, I have them now. I have the keys of hell and death. Now, keys represent authority. So Satan has no authority over us anymore. Amen? 
He has no authority over us anymore as believers. And Jesus said, uh, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. In other words, I give you the keys and whatever you lock is locked on the earth. And whatever you unlock on the earth is unlocked. Amen. Now, the, when we read here uh, the fear of death and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, when we read that fear of death, the first thing we think of is physical death, but it includes more than that. Death is separation. It's, it's, um, it's fear uh, of losing something that's valuable and important to you. That's also included. It's fear of not getting something that you want. It, it's loss. It's the feeling of loss. I'm going to lose something that's important to me or I'm not going to get something that's important to me. It's, that's all included in the fear of death. So these things are related to fear even though they have nothing to do with physical death. So if we've been delivered from physical death, um, from the fear of, of death, then, then we're also delivered from all these other fears and phobias because they have nothing to connect to. There's nothing for all these other fears and phobias to hook up to. There are people afraid to get out of their house. You know, they're a prison in their own house. There are preachers afraid to preach certain subjects in, in their church. They're a prisoner in their own church. They're, they fear losing people. They fear losing money. This all comes under the fear of death. And fear of losing something makes you subject to bondage. It makes a slave out of you, and it's a type of prison. Now, you're still holding your place there in Romans. Turn back to chapter 8, just a page or two there. Romans 8.15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now he's writing to born again believers. He says, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Notice the words spirit, fear, and bondage. The connection between fear and bondage and spirit. Fear is a spirit. It's not just an emotional state. Now, before you were born again, you had a spirit that produced fear. It was filled with fear, and you inherited it from your parents, Adam and Eve. But when we're born again, this is what he's saying. When you were born again, you didn't get another spirit that was filled with fear subject to bondage. You got a new spirit, and it does not produce the spirit of fear to bondage. Uh, now, your spirit can receive fear, and it can store it up, but it doesn't produce it. 
Fear, if fear gets in your heart, it had to come from out here somewhere. Something you saw, something you felt, something you heard. That feeling uh, or sense of fear had to, it came from this outside physical realm. And your spirit doesn't produce it. That's what he's, he's telling us here. We got a new spirit that cries, Abba, Father, the spirit of adoption. We, we belong to God. We're connected to God's kingdom. We're not connected to the devil's kingdom of fear anymore. We've been cut off and we've been separated from that. So fear is part of the curse and it makes a slave out of you. Now hold your place there in Romans and turn over to Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, 66. And this is part, you know, from verse 15 onwards in this chapter. We have a description of the curse of the law. And this is part of the curse. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shalt have none assurance of thy life. Now the Amplified Bible says, Your life will hang in doubt before you. Night and day you will be filled with anxiety and have no assurance of living. The New Life Version says, your life will be full of doubts. You will be afraid night and day, and you will not be sure of anything in your life. Now that is a curse. And no child of God should be living that way. No child of God should have any panic or terror or fear or dread. Now let's go back to Romans uh, 5. Romans 5, 11 says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, consider your connection and your relationship with sin as broken. Consider your connection and relationship with sin and all of its side effects, the fear of death, the fear of loss, uh, all of that to be broken. Your relationship is severed with sin and all of its side effects, including the fear of death and loss. One of the major reasons Jesus came was to deliver us from the slavery of fear. In 1 John 3, 8, it says, For this reason... The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And fear uh, is a major work of the devil. It's a major tool of the devil, and he uses it to control people. And the Bible says it's torment. Fear is torment. So did Jesus paralyze the one who had the power of death? Did he do it? The Bible says he did. Amen? Has Jesus delivered us from the fear of death? The Bible says he has. 
So that's what we need to believe. So if Jesus has set you free, then you are no longer a slave to any fear. So we read about the Old Testament, the curse under the Old Testament, but now things have changed. That's what we're reading here in Hebrews 2 and Romans 5 and 8. Things have changed. Jesus paralyzed the one who had the power of death. So he's also paralyzed the spirit of fear where, where we're concerned. We, our connection with that has been broken. Uh, so fear loses its hold over us. Fear loses its hold over us. Because Jesus paralyzed the one who had, who had the keys to death and fear. Jesus has paralyzed him. Now all of us have experienced fear and we, we do, we are confronted with the temptation to fear and we're all, we've all experienced the feelings of fear. But that doesn't change what the Bible says. The Bible says that we've been delivered from it. Now, let's turn over to John 14. You know, some people would say, well, this, you know, nobody could live without fear. Well, the Bible says we can. And Jesus didn't, Jesus, if, if that's the case, then Jesus didn't finish his work. If it says Jesus delivered us, then he delivered us. If it says you know, he's made it possible. Can you imagine Jesus being in panic? I mean, when they came and told him that Lazarus has died, did he go into panic? Did he run around? I, can you imagine him fear-filled and panicking and anxious, you know, about, you know, we've got 5,000 people here and you're saying feed them? You know, did he panic and, uh, no. He said, all we've, got's five, all we've got's five loaves and two fishes. He didn't go into a panic. He didn't, he, 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 you can't even imagine Jesus living a worried, fear-filled life. Now, John 14, 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Then verse 15, uh, he says, Peace, um, am I on 15? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Um, I think, sorry, 27. I wrote down 15, but it's 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Now, then he goes on to say, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So the understood subject here is you. You don't let your heart be afraid. You don't let your heart be troubled. Let's say this together. Don't let it in. Don't let it in. Amen? It's easier to keep something out than it is to let it in and then try to get rid of it. Yes. <laughs> what was that reference? 
Uh, John 14, 1 and 27. I had written down 15 for some reason, but it's 27. So if Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, then it must be possible for us not to let it be afraid. If it wasn't possible to live uh, without fear, then it would be unjust for Jesus to expect us and command us not to let fear in. Jesus lived here on earth as a man. He was tempted with fear. He was tempted with everything else that we've ever been tempted with, yet he did not yield to it. Now that's the key. We're going to experience feelings of fear as long as we're here and the devil's here. We'll have the temptation to fear, but we need to learn what we're to yield to and what we're to resist. And we are to yield to the things of God and we're to resist the things of the devil and, and destructive forces. That's what we're to resist. So Jesus did not yield to fear or any other temptation. Uh, was he afraid of demons? Was he afraid of people? No. He spoke to demons. He spoke to storms. And he was fearless, not because he was the Son of God, but he had the peace of God. He knew he had authority over the devil, and he knew how much God loved him. So he didn't walk a fearless life just because he was the Son of God. He lived in a mortal body, subject to death, subject to fear, just like we do. He was tempted to fear. He had the, the feelings, you know, the temptation, but he did not yield to it. And, and we will have the temptation to fear. But we can choose what we let in and what we yield to, and we can choose what, what we resist. Amen? So because Jesus has paralyzed the devil, fear has lost its grip on us, and we don't have to yield to it either. Amen? Now the Amplified Classic says, Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed, and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Now that's a pretty strong language, and it's pretty direct, isn't it? You stop it. You stop it. Who's going to stop it? We're going to stop it. Amen? We all know what fear feels like, don't we? <laughs> I don't think we have to wonder. Can you tell me what fear is? <laughs> what does fear feel like? No, we all know what fear feels like. We all sense when it's trying to come toward us. We can all sense that. We're going to be tempted to fear. And feelings of fear and thoughts of fear are symptoms. And we've been born in a world filled with sin and death and fear. It's all we've ever known. But we don't have to yield to it. Amen? We, we have to learn to discern what's of God and yield to that. 
and learn what's of the devil and what's destructive and resist that. Jesus goes on here to say in verse 27, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. You can't find this peace out here in the drugstore. You can't find it in a pill or a bottle. You can't find it in a syringe. You can't find it in a book. You can't find it in a therapist. This piece that Jesus is talking about, it's his piece. And later on in John 16, uh, 33, he says, in the world, you will have tribulation. But be, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So that's basically what he's saying. You're going to be tempted to fear. But I have overcome it, and I've paralyzed the one who had the, the power of fear and death, so you can overcome it. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, let's read this out loud together. Verse 27. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. One more time. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So this verse tells us two things. Uh, 14.27. We're, we're still in John 14.27. This verse tells us two things. We have the same peace that Jesus walked in. And it tells us that nobody or nothing can make you fear. Now, just like nobody can make us have faith, nobody can make us fear. We're going to be tempted to fear. But, but as, you know, as far as it just having the ability to overwhelm us and we say, well, I just couldn't do anything about it, that's not the case. We, we have the peace of God. Jesus has already destroyed the devil and his, uh, his ability to, to uh, lord fear over us. He's already broken He's already paralyzed the devil. We got to stand up and we got to resist it. We got to stand up and we got to resist it when it comes. Some of you may have heard the story about Brother Copeland's, uh, one of his granddaughters a number of years ago. Uh, on Christmas Day, they all, you know, all the family got up to open their presents and everything and this one granddaughter didn't get out of bed. And they went to, to get her, and she wasn't responding at all. No response. So they grabbed her up, they took her to the hospital, and she had meningitis. And she had a, a tie, well, it was killing kids there in the area. There were children dying with it. And uh, when they, and the tie that she had, uh, even if you survive, you can lose a limb, you can lose part of an arm, you can lose a leg. Uh, you know, I've, in my work here, I've, we've had people with meningitis and, you know, you don't always know what happens to these people, but sometimes the doctors come back with feedback and sometimes these kids, adults or children, they lost a leg or they lost an arm. They survived it, 
but uh, it's a nasty thing. And the doctors came out and they told them it did not look good. Let's just put it that way. So, of course, all of them were praying and they all moved in the hospital and they were, uh, yeah, they camped out in the hospital and they were all praying. And uh, then, you know, Brother Copeland was out of town and then a few days he came back and all and he went in and he prayed and spoke to her like the Lord directed him, but she survived it. But when the doctors came out and told them it doesn't look good, uh, her, their daughter Kelly, who was the mother, they said she, she walked over uh, against the wall and she just stood there for a few seconds. And then she turned around and during that few seconds she made the choice, I refuse to fear. And she, she made her stand right there that she wasn't going to let fear in. And you know she was being bombarded by fear. You know they were all being bombarded by thoughts and feelings of fear. But she made her stand right there, I refuse to fear. And so, and she came out, she lived, and the only side effect that she had, she had some, uh, some loss of hearing in one of her ears. And eventually that went. Took, a, a, I think, maybe a, a year or two, but eventually all of her hearing in that year was restored. So, if there is fear in our heart, we yielded to it and we let it in, but Jesus has empowered us to stop it. Now, let's, as we're finishing up here, let's turn to Matthew 24. And we see a similar... Um, commandment from Jesus. Matthew 24. This is where Jesus talks about signs of the end times because the disciples asked him about it. They asked him about what are the signs of the end times and he starts telling them. And he goes on to talk about his second coming to the earth. So some people mix this up with the rapture. This is not talking about the rapture. This is talking about the second coming of Jesus when, when we return with him because in the rapture there's no destruction. Here he talks about destruction and pestilences and earthquakes and famines and all that. So this is talking about the, second, the, the return of Jesus, his second coming. And in verse 4 it says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, we're all hearing about that. He goes on to talk about earthquakes and famine and pestilences, which, you know, we're hearing about those things as well, and they're becoming more and more frequent. And then in verse 6, he says, See that ye be not troubled. See, all these things are going to happen, but it's not the end. See, that ye be not troubled. Other translations say, don't be alarmed. All these things must happen, but it's not the end yet. The Passion Translation says, don't panic or give in to your fears. 
for the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen, but it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. So we, need, we definitely need to discern the times that we're living in. But depending on who you're listening to, talk about the end times. It can either be very bright or it can be gloom and doom, <laughs> depending on who you're listening to. And if, if it is doom and gloom side of it, uh, if you hear somebody preaching that, what does it generate in people? Fear. Yeah. It generates fear in people. Um, but as born-again believers, we have nothing to fear. We have a bright future. We have a very bright future. But people that don't know Jesus, they have plenty of reason to fear. But as believers, we have nothing to fear. Our future is very bright. So in verse 6, he says, See that you be not troubled. You see to it. You see to it that you are not troubled. So, let's say out loud, don't let it in. So when fear comes knocking on the door, don't let it in. Charles Capps had a sign in his office, and it said, Fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and there was nobody there. I sent that to somebody a year or two ago. They had a, uh, one of their children was gravely ill in the hospital. And I sent them that, that message. Fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and there was nobody there. Amen? That's a good one. Hallelujah. You have to talk to it. You have to talk to fear. That's how you resist it. You have to talk to it. So let's stand up. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. And let's say this out loud. Praise God. This is how we deal with fear. You gotta talk to it. You gotta you can't just lay down. You gotta you gotta stand up and you gotta resist it. Because you're gonna have thoughts, thoughts of fear. You're gonna have feelings of fear. But we resist it when when they knock on the door. Don't act, don't, don't let it in. And if, it, if it's already in there, then we can get it out. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Let's say this. I will give no place to the devil. He has nothing in me. Fear, I resist you with the words of my mouth. You can't stay in my feelings and thoughts. I refuse to fear. I will not yield to it. Jesus said, see to it that your heart not be troubled and not be afraid no matter what I see no matter what I hear, no matter what thoughts come to me, I will not let them in. I will yield to the peace of God. 
I declare my freedom from all fears. Jesus came and freed me from the slavery of fear and death and loss. Amen.